Hi, and welcome back to the Grindhouse Girls podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Katie. My co-host is Brittany, and this is a podcast about many strange and spoopy movies. We cover a lot of independent movies and a lot of horror movies, and we do want to caution before starting the podcast that listener discretion is advised, and a lot of subject matter we cover is not appropriate for children and can be quite sensitive. So if that sounds like something that's up your alley, keep on listening. If not, thanks for stopping by and on to the podcast. Hi, this is Katie. Hi there, this is Brittany. And this is the Grindhouse Girls podcast. GGP. What? what? Yay. Right. We're back. We are. We are back for another round um, with another very interesting film this Very week was picked by katie yes, yes. <laughs> this is one that's been on my radar since the first time i saw a preview for it i want to say in 2019 because it was released festival wise in 2019 then was supposed to be released in 2020 and i don't think it got a very big release because of lovely covid um but the film we're going to be discussing on this week's episode is swallow Mm-hmm. which is an independent psychological body horror film um, directed by Carlo Mirabella Davis. He also wrote the film, and it stars Haley Bennett, Austin Stoll, Elizabeth Marvel, David Rush, and Dennis O'Hare, which honestly is one of the reasons why I really want to watch it, because if you've seen, I think it's season three or maybe season two of True Blood, uh, Dennis O'Hare plays a very creepy vampire in it, and I think he's in several seasons, actually. I think he keeps yeah, he coming is. back. Um, it's yeah. been a while since I've watched... I've watched all of True Blood, but it's been a while. But he is always one of my favorite character actors, and then also he's been in almost every season of American Horror Story, and he is consistently wickedly talented, and so I was really excited. He only has a small part in this movie, but it's an important part. And um, I don't. I really uh, thought this was a cool movie so far. Um, what about you, Brittany? I what I will say about this movie. This is definitely a movie lovers movie. Um, so if mm-hmm. you really like, if you look at film and you enjoy paying attention to like aesthetic choices, to sound design stuff like that, you're gonna love this movie. Um, now, if you're the type of person you purely watch for entertainment value, this may be a little bit slow for you. It is, it's a little slow. It's not painful. It's not like Black Coat's Daughter, painfully Mm -hmm. slow, I would say. I didn't feel bored at all. But it's also a visually stunning movie. So I feel like that keeps your attention more than Black Coat's Daughter. Sorry, Black Coat's Daughter. It's a competent film. But it's a little boring. Um, Before we get um, down to brass tacks, let's go over some housekeeping. Housekeeping, a knock on the door. Sorry, that was really stupid. Oh, <laughs> hello! Um, who's there? Housekeeping. I I do have housekeeping because I made a boo boo. It's today for us. It's last week for you guys. So I dragged and dropped over um, Brittany's side of the audio and not our finished edited episode uh, last night. And so I woke up and said, "Why is why is the episode an hour and forty minutes? It should only be an hour long." And then I clicked on it, and it's Brittany going, hey, are you there? I'm recording. Hi. I was like, oh, shit. So <laughs> I scrambled, got online, 
switched the audio files, but it took it a good, like, hour or two for everything to fix itself. So I'm sorry if some of you um, got a very weird, um, a very, very weird episode of Britney going, yeah, uh uh-huh, and then just silence, and then her saying something, and then silence. So. It's like, is this an AU? What is going on yeah, here? Yeah, what is happening? <laughs> so, um, I'm sorry. I suck. Um, she doesn't suck. Katie does. Um, eventually, I will partake in editing duties. But right now, Katie, because of Corona and because me and Katie usually film in two different locations, uh, in her house and in my house, um, Katie does the majority of the editing. So, it's a lot of pressure for one person. So, I told her it's really not a big deal. Um, and none of you have reached out to us with like pitchforks or anything, so I feel like we're we're okay. Like <laughs> I think I think I did put it on the Instagram. I was like, "Hey guys, I'm so sorry." So just so people knew that we knew. Um, but that was my housekeeping. Uh, anything housekeeping that you had, Brittany? That um, no. I mean, I feel bad, Katie. I'm not unless I just say something really freaking stupid um i'm usually not as good about catching and usually it's to, something to do with comic books you know what we should segue to what are we watching this week because i yes. watched wandavision episode seven did you yes i did and did you know the agatha song is now on apple it's been agatha all along i've been listening to it on repeat like all week when katherine hahn came on i was really excited to see her but i was kind of like are they going to give her more to do? Because, like, she's such a talented actress. And I was like, they, there has to be something bigger planned. And I was talking to this with one of my friends at work. And he was like, yeah, I thought that, too. So we are both like, yeah. And then so when she finally, like, I was like, oh, yay, she gets to be the villain. Sorry, spoilers for WandaVision. Who cares? Um, it's fine. Everyone knows it's spoilers by now. And if you haven't yes. watched WandaVision, damn Fast it. Fast forward a couple of minutes, please. Don't yes, let it be spoiled for you. Although, the only person I know who is waiting to finish it that I know in my personal life, um, I'm pretty sure has read the comics it's based on. So, they're not surprised at all. But if you're a person who doesn't know what's going on, just don't worry about it. So, um, what do you think is going to happen? I don't really know with the Agatha thing. Like, I know she has to be a witch of some kind, but I don't really know. I feel like there is a character in the Marvel Universe she is based on. Yes. And I did not do my due diligence and research this character, so I'm not very sure about... I I see... I definitely see something tragic happening, because obviously we know Vision can't live outside of the universe that Wanda has created, um, because he's dead in our world. Obviously, we saw that happen in um, Infinity War. Uh, however, I'm like, you know, it's going to be probably something very bittersweet also, because obviously Wanda can't keep all these people trapped either in this right. world. So but I'm, I'm pretty sure this is A- Agatha's making Wanda, because Wanda doesn't remember creating the world. So I'm okay. pretty sure Agatha is using... Apparently, okay, I'm probably saying this incorrectly, but you know there's like multiverses in superhero mm. land comic book world <laughs> in yes. the marvel cinematic universe there's multiverses well apparently some characters transcend the multiverse and wanda is one of those characters she is in the x-men's universe she is in the marvel avengers universe she is in all the universes she and there's a specific term and i can't remember what it is but she basically transcends all of that so, because yeah. she does that, she's very unique and special. And that's one of the reasons why probably she was able to bring Vision back from probably an alternate universe where he's not dead. Um, 
That's probably one of the reasons why. And I think Agatha, I think from how I understand her character, at least in one of, you know, Scarlet Witch's plot lines, I don't know which multiverse it is, she trained her in magic. Okay, gotcha. She may not remember it, but I think she has, they have a, a background in the comic books, but I'm not sure if that has anything to do with the WandaVision-specific comic book. But I think Agatha wants to use her ability to traverse from one universe or reality mm-hmm. to the other. Yeah, and see, my thing is, is that I know, um, I probably say this every week, but I know a little bit about Scarlet Witch just because when I was in high school, I had, like, friends, like, guy friends that were like, you should do Scarlet Witch. And so, like, mm-hmm. I'm always like, yeah, Scarlet Witch. Um, so I know WandaVision's loosely based on the House of M storyline. Right. I also know it has a lot of parallels with the Dark Phoenix storyline. So I do know, but because it's Marvel, uh, Marvel also creates these beautiful liberties uh, with their work, which I think yeah. makes things very interesting. But it does kind of make it, you can definitely um, guess, but I really, I... I love Marvel, um, but I, I will admit I'm not as well-versed in Marvel universes as I am, like, Game of Thrones universe, so oh, I, yeah. don't really know, I don't really know for yeah. sure. So I circled myself in Sex and the City, and I'm now back into season four. <laughs> so now I'm like, second movie? Oh, I need to watch the second movie. I had to work this weekend, so I didn't really have time to watch anything different, but I've now circled myself with Sex and the City. Um... Oh, but I read the Bridgerton novel, the first one. Yeah. And I know Brittany knows this. It is. It's actually a pretty good romance novel. There's enough plot and sex. So um, if you like romance novels, like historical romance, I think they're good. Um, but um, spoiler alert, um, I, had, I made a TikTok, my personal TikTok about this because I was a little shocked. But this is actually the third romance novel I've read with this plot line. And I hate it, but she sleep rapes her husband. <laughs> Daphne kind of sleep rapes um, Simon. Kind of. I mean, it's not ex- like, okay, here's the thing. He is asleep when they start making, like, making love. And then he wakes up and, like, tells her, yeah, keep going. But then he's not really totally awake. And then, so she doesn't really, she's not really sure if she sleep raped him. And he's not really sure if she sleep raped him. But they're just kind of like, they get over it. But I was like, that's weird and highly i don't i'm not okay with it but that's actually the third romance novel i've read where that happens there seems to be and i won't get on this tangent um for too long because i know it's a it's a sensitive subject and it's also something we could talk about make an own episode of the podcast about which um, we won't do that um but that's a big thing and um historical fiction is the right yes. trope and as yes. you know i there's a series i love that's one of my favorite television series and um it's called outlander and it's based on mm-hmm. uh, incredible novels too um when literally every main character in the main family gets raped at some point during the novels and the tv series to me that's problematic um I know how historical writers work. It's that they're like, oh, you know, that was that was a part of the time. Is that, you know, people got raped a lot, you know, and bad things happened to good people. And I'm just like, yeah, but I get really tired of it, trying to immerse myself into a historical romantic fiction. And there's another rape scene. Um, there's like a rape in every season of Outlander, too, even if it's not yeah. one of the family members. Like, when they were in France, somebody gets raped. Yeah. It's two people get raped in that season. Yeah. One of them being oh, a child. Great. So, yeah. Yeah. 
I remember the yeah. child one. Oh, wait, the other child one. Sorry. There's so yeah. many. Yeah. So many instances of rape. Um, yeah. yeah, I hate it. Game of uh, Thrones is like that, too. Game of yeah. Thrones literally took a consent. Game of Thrones actually took two consensual sexual scenes in the novels and turned them into rape scenes in this TV yeah. series, which is very problematic. Which so. I, yeah. Yes. So definitely problematic. Um, the Changing the subject to something more pleasant, though. Yes. What have you been watching, Britt? Oh, my God. So it is hilarious. Uh, so as everyone knows, I am on my Scotland kick because we were planning to go to Scotland. Um, and so I was talking to my husband and there was a movie in the 80s my dad really loved um, called Highlander. And I was like, you know, oh, never, yeah, I've I was like, Highlander. I've never seen Highlander. And I was like, let's I told Taylor, I was like, well, let's watch Highlander. I'm sure this was the fucking shit in the 80s, but that movie has not aged well at no. all. And I pretty much laughed my way through the entirety of the movie. I watched it with my ex-boyfriend and laughed the entire time. Yeah. Like, this is the stupidest fucking shit ever. Except that Sean Connery was in it. Well, this is like a... Sean Connery was like probably the best part. So this yeah. is a... This is a minor spoiler for Highlander, but since Highlander is about a bunch of immortals, my dad always talked about this part in the movie that the main character in the in Scotland in the 1500s, he stays with his wife. And, you know, it has this beautiful Queen song because Queen did the soundtrack for Highlander. And it shows them, like, spending time together. And then she comes up over the hill and she's elderly. And my dad's always, like, talked about this being this beautiful movie in the that this you know he stayed with the love of his life even as she grew old even though he didn't and then i He's saw the scene. yeah and then i saw this scene and like the aging makeup is so bad on the actress that she barely looks like any older she just has like gray hair and like oh some God. like powder under her eyes and i'm just like what in the actual fuck guys i will admit um I did watch uh, To All the Boys I Love Before, Always, and Forever. Was it okay? Like, I haven't was... watched either of those. Oh, oh, the, the first one is definitely the best one. So this is okay. the third one. So the first one this was definitely third the best one? one. Yeah, this is the third one. Yeah. I thought they only had two. Oh, God. No, this is this is the third one. So um, I, I like, it's just cute. It's fluff. I always joke that, like, you know, um, my favorite movies, like, okay, like, I love Academy Award winning movies. And, like, I'm definitely the type of girl that will sit down um, and watch any kind of best pictures. Like, Katie knows I just re-recently watched Braveheart. And, uh, like, I'll just, I'll watch, like, best picture winners. I'll usually, this time of year makes me kind of depressed because I'm usually in the movie theaters. I'm living in the movie theaters to see all the Oscar-nominated best Mm -hmm. pictures this kind of year. But those usually are not my favorite movies because I don't like to rewatch epic movies because it's tiring watching a three and a half fil- hour film yes. about war, um, it's or it's tiring exhausting. watching dramas about people who had somebody die tragically in their lives. So I watch these movies. I enjoy them for the experience, yes. for the acting. But my favorite movies are usually movies like When Harry Met Sally or Into the Spider Verse. So those are the kind of movies that are my favorite films. They're You've solid three star films. Yeah, You've Got Mail is really cute. I love the Bridget Jones. Saga. Yeah, I still like I Bridget Jones' them. Baby. Like that's like that one was surprisingly cute. Yeah, it took me forever to finally watch it, and when I finally watched it, I was like, oh, yeah, this is so good. fucking cute. I loved it. It actually like because I obviously want her to end up with Mark Darcy, but I'm a purist. So this week I picked Swallow, not the miniseries that apparently there's a miniseries called Swallow. Swallow is a 2019 slash 2020 film that's a lot of things recently because of 
COVID, like things are like, it's 2019, but kind of 2020. We don't really know. Uh, written and directed by Carlo Mirabella Davis. Um, he actually is a super interesting person. Um, he based this film actually on a, a story about his grandmother. His grandmother's name was Edith. And she was like a 1950s housewife, which there's a lot of 1950s aesthetic in this movie. Um, everything looks very Mad Men, which personally is the aesthetic I think is just absolutely gorgeous. Mid-century modern. I love. Um, but basically she was in a very unhappy marriage and she was a compulsive hand washer. And she was like using four bars of soap a day and like 12 things of isopropyl alcohol a week. And um, she was involuntarily institutionalized by her husband because the doctors told him that she should be institutionalized and later she was involuntarily lobotomized and she lost her sense of uh, sense of taste and smell and like he always kind of felt and this is straight from the director's mouth that it was like a punitive thing like because she wasn't like the perfect housewife they were um punishing her and he wanted to write a story about that but he didn't think that hand washing was very cinematic. Yeah. So instead, he um, had read a story about someone with pica, which it is pronounced pica. It's P I C C A. And pica is the compulsion to eat inedible objects, basically. Um, and it can range from like something pretty safe, like dirt, to which is probably the most common that I've heard of to very dangerous objects like razor blades and like thumbtacks and things like that so it can be very dangerous depending on what you swallow and if you're under medical guidance and it like i personally have a friend that has had pica she says it's fine if i talk about the on the podcast but i don't want to name her um oh there's a kitten meowing (laughs) meow Um, But I have a friend who does have pica, but she has only really had the symptoms. She had them when she was a child and then didn't have them for years and years and years. And then both times she's been pregnant because she has two kids, she's had it again. Like it recurs. And they've tried to put her on iron supplements because a lot of times there's a lot of different reasons you can have pica. There's not one reason people get pica. And that's why it's so hard to diagnose and treat. There's not even really a treatment for it. Um, but when she had it, like she would only eat dirt and she would, she was very like, um, honest with her doctor and her doctor was cool with it. You know, like her doctor was like, it's fine if you eat dirt, but let's make sure like we're doing this in moderation and I'm going to try to put you on iron supplements so you don't get the compulsion to do it. But she doesn't really have it when she's not pregnant. And so a lot of times it is like a mineral deficiency can be part of it, but sometimes it's behavioral and sometimes it has nothing to do with your levels. Pike is kind of the vehicle for this movie. It's not really the focus of it, but it is something, obviously the title Swallow is because she has a compulsion to swallow inedible objects to gain control of her life, the main character. And I don't know, I just think it's a really, really cool, interesting uh psychological thriller i would say or domestic horror movie almost because it is kind of the horror of domestic life yeah um but um yeah i I don't know that was kind of my background uh the director seems like a very interesting person but we can get into that more later on Brittany, did you have something 
more yeah. background wise yay yeah and so that's what as um so the big thing was is that you know his actual quote was he said i wanted to make a film about someone who like my grandmother is very encased in the gender expectations that the world she's living in has put upon her and so mm-hmm. um there was a lot of um give and take where you know there was this frustration that he had talked to people who really did believe that gender issues, that there were no such things as gender issues nowadays, yeah. like there was back then. And he was like, hmm. no, it's legitimately like we still have these issues. Um, so he created this world that's very kind of 1950s in aesthetic, but it's very mm-hmm. much taking place in modern day. And as yes. the movie progresses, you see a lot of those retro influences kind of fall away. As the Mm -hmm. character kind of, spoiler alert, comes into her own a little bit more with the things that she experiences. Which is very subtle in the movie, but it's very beautiful when you do notice those type of things. I really like that. Also, like, and this was a happy accident by the production team. um, Where they were, they filmed basically in chronological order. It was only a 20-day shoot. And it was going from winter to springtime. And so, as the outdoors become more vibrant and beautiful... Hunter, the main character, she starts out with these vibrant, beautiful costumes, like bright purples and blues and hot pink, which is why I'm wearing my hot pink sweater today, because she has a sweater just like my sweater. And, I was and really yellows. Excited. And yellows. Oh, she has a really beautiful yellow, mm-hmm. like, underwear set. And I was like, I want that. It's so pretty. Um, she's. I want her, her wardrobe, by the way. But she has all these vibrant, beautiful colors, this beautiful, that yellow dress that she wears at that party when she's starting to feel better. When she, like, she's so vibrant and beautiful, but as she starts to assimilate more to her family, her in-laws, and gives up a lot of herself to fit in with them, she starts being dressed in, like, muted colors and stuff. So it's a very interesting juxtaposition while everything else is gaining vibrancy, she's losing it. Um, And I thought that was really cool. And they said that was pretty much a happy accident, but they were like, but it was cool that it worked out that way. And the costuming was just, oh, the costumes are great in this. The the visuals are beautiful in this movie. Like, it is, like, a piece of art to watch. So yeah. I, I really like how this looks. It's very much like like um Portrait of a Lady on Fire, where it's, like, very pretty to look at. Even when something terrible is happening, the way it's shot is so interesting that it's like, ooh, this is, like, really, really cool to watch, even if it's something gross or sad or depressing or whatever and i find it really interesting which we can talk about this more when we get into the plot but there's like one scene where she's like at home by herself and she's wearing this beautiful bright green outfit and her mother-in-law calls her and she's like oh yeah i'll be right over and she changes her outfit into this muted like oatmeal color and i'm just like in her in-law's house like everything's like beige and it's like like you can just like see she's denying herself she can only be herself even when she's in lingerie with her husband, it's a muted color. But when she's yeah. home alone, she's wearing vibrant colors. It's very interesting. I like I like when costuming like plays a part in the psychology of the character. I think it's so interesting. Um, was there anything background-wise we want to go in before we do the spoiler-free synopsis? Yeah, I didn't know if you um, wanted to talk a little bit about Carlo uh, Marabella uh, Davis and kind of like his gender yeah. roles and how they kind of influenced the movie a little bit. He's so interesting because i was a little disappointed when i read it was like a a man who wrote it because i was a little bit like uh i would have liked it from a woman's perspective but he has a very interesting perspective because he was raised by women primarily is what he said 
And actually, when he was in his 20s, he identified as a woman for about four years. And so he lived as a woman for four years and he kind of experienced, you know, a more feminine side of society. But he also was very conscious of the fact that he didn't want his quote unquote male gaze, and that's using his word, like influencing it. So actually, the cast and crew were made up two thirds women. And he wanted their input. And the main actress, Haley Bennett, actually did a lot of the pre-production stuff with him to keep things more female-centric because it is so much a story about a woman. And yeah. it is kind of a feminist movie. It's a, it's a, it's definitely a feminist movie. Yeah, but it doesn't, like, hit you over the head either, which is nice. Because no. I identify as a feminist, but, like, Black Christmas 2019, we don't like to be hit over <laughs> the head with things. Like, I also just wanted to um, make a subtle uh, work. I wanted to note that the sound effects in this are really, really awesome. Yes. Like, um... So I don't know if you noticed, but I, I had to go back because I was reading. So Katie is definitely like our audio um, our audio uh, co-host where Katie will listen to interviews and kind of absorb things. And mm-hmm. I, I read a lot. I just, I'll just sit in bed at night and be reading like articles and stuff. And they made this note that they're like um, sound effects. They use sound effects that allowed us to gain entry into Hunter's internal cosmology. So when mm-hmm. she's holding the marble up, you hear the distant sounds of like birds and people at the beach. Yeah. 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 And it's like, so the actual object she's, she's putting in her mouth, she mentions the taste like having an effect on her but really it's also like sounds come to her so even the thumbtack and we did notice this when we watched it that the thumbtack had like almost a sirens call to it yes yeah so thumbtack was dangerous yeah and i thought that was so and like even when she consumes ice you can almost hear like the clink like it's very crisp well when she first gets the idea to start chewing the ice like you hear it before you see the ice like yeah and it's that sound of like the ice kind of melting and clinking together that's so familiar to anybody um but she's sitting at dinner with her in-laws and she just you can hear the ice and then it pans down to it and it's almost moving of its own accord calling to her and i'm like i like to chew ice too that's something i read a i watched a couple interviews on people which i'll try to like link the youtube videos or at least notate them in the notes somewhere um but i watched a couple interviews with people who have been treated for pica and most of them say like even though i don't eat inedible objects anymore i still eat ice so apparently ice eating ice is a form of pica yeah too so it's just because it doesn't have any it's non-nutritive which is i think it's dr grande on youtube i he has some really good he's very dry but he is a really he does have actually a really funny sense of humor he'll make little jokes but he's just like kind of a dry personality but he's very factual and he gives a lot of he's an actual like psychiatrist so like i would rather watch his videos and people who have actually experienced it and talk to them than like some youtuber going like pack is crazy i'm like i no, i really just want to hear what people have because most people have the compulsion either because there's an event in their life that is causing them anxiety and it's something they have control over. It's very much like any other eating disorder, like bulimia or anorexia. Like or even cutting, that, like a self Or cutting, yes. Yeah. Um, like it will, like, it's something you have control over even though it doesn't, you know, necessarily affect you. And I think actually the director mentioned cutting and the fact that he has OCD. And so he's like, I have compulsions too, Mine just aren't about eating things, but, like, we all have compulsions. I've had varying degrees of OCD. I would not say mine has never been debilitating at all, but there are little things that, like, I'm a little obsessive-compulsive over 
over. It's more of an orderly thing yeah. than like a true upset. Like I've never felt like I have to touch a doorknob so many times before I leave anywhere. Yeah. But thank God. But like <laughs> I've I've dated people who have and that was always something where like it did worry me about them. I was like, have you talked to someone about that? Because like it is it can be very debilitating. Yeah. And I actually am diagnosed with OCD. So I was diagnosed when I was 13. But it so and I will say this really quickly so I won't, like, linger on this. But I was a child that literally if I stepped on a crack when I was, like, a kid and I, I would cry because I thought I was going to break my mom's back. Like, and there were certain things that yeah. even before I had – so it sounds really weird to people who don't have OCD. But to people who have OCD, they know exactly what I'm talking about. So I began rituals that I'm like, oh, if I don't check if the oven is off ten times tonight, my mom's going to die in a fire. Like, that's just, yeah. like, the way yeah. a person with OCD is. almost like you create these rituals that you have to do these things or bad mm-hmm. things will happen. Um, mm-hmm. And so I can maintain a pretty decent control over my OCD, but usually when I'm stressed or anxious, it comes mm-hmm. out. Yes. Um, but, yeah, it's a very – I just think his background's interesting. I love that he wrote the story as almost a tribute to his grandmother's story. I just think it's really cool. Like, I think it's cool that he kind of has a tribute to his grandmother, and I think he has a very interesting point of view. Um, I also like that the villain characters in this movie are not really villains. They're very believable. Yeah. Everything is very believable in this. Because even, like, the things... There's only one thing that she swallowed that I was like, did she really swallow that? I bet it's the same thing, yeah. Yeah, but we won't, we'll won't. we'll get into that later so we don't gross people out. Just in case you're like, I can't watch this movie. It is a little gross. Uh, there is blood and surgery and um, there's some violence towards animals at the very beginning. And um, it is kind of gross. It made me a little nauseous. Wasn't as bad as Raw for me. But I will say, if you have a sensitive stomach, maybe look away during some parts. Anyways... Do you want to do the synopsis or should I? Oh, you should do it. You picked it out this week. Okay. Okay. So feeling trapped in her blissfully domestic surroundings, a young newly pregnant housewife finds herself with a compulsive desire to swallow inedible objects. It's a short one. It's short and sweet. That's what it's Um, about though. And do you want to go over some characters? Because we do have some interesting characters. I only wrote down one, two, three, four, five, seven. Yeah, so. I think that's why I had to. So, of course, beginning with Haley Bennett, uh, who plays Hunter Conrad. She's the lead protagonist. Yes. Um, so I actually recognized her from The Devil All the Time, which is a Netflix movie that premiered uh, late last year. It was partially filmed in the city we uh, went to college in. Um, so I had a lot of friends that were extras in that movie. And so um, I, uh, so she played Charlotte Russell, who was Bill Sargar's yes. wife and Tom Holland's mother in that movie. Um, I, she... I don't know what it is about her to me. I think it's because she's like beautiful, but she's very realistic looking. Like she has like these yes. natural, beautiful curves. Yes. Um, just like one of those women that like is is stunning, but it looks like you actually see her in the flesh in real life, like walking down the street. I don't know why. I think her face it kind of draws you to her. But yes. um, that being said, it was actually her performance in The Girl on the Train that led yes, her being offered this role. Movie. Yeah. Um, we have Austin Stowell, who's uh, Richie Conrad. That is Hunter's husband. Uh, he, he was in Dolphin Tell, Bridge of Spies, Battle of the Sexes. Um, and what I actually recognized him from was Whiplash, because I recently watched Whiplash. And I was like, hey, he was one of the other drummers. So, like, that's what I recognized him from. He's also in the Blumhouse Fantasy Island movie that got released earlier this year that has a 7% on Rotten Tomatoes. Yes. So. <laughs> he looks very, like, he looks like the, um, 
the the brother uh, with the drug addiction in Haunting of Hill House. Oh, who is also, also the Invisible Man. Yes. So we had uh, Elizabeth Marvel, who was Catherine Conrad. She is Richie's mother. Um, she was in Sendecky, New York, True Grit, Lincoln, uh, Most Violent Years. So she's one of those actresses that my understanding is that she always has like these kind of smaller character roles. Now in True Grit, mm-hmm. she did play the narrator. So she had probably a more larger role in True Grit as a narrator. Oh, cool. um, but yeah. I've definitely she, seen her in stuff before. She's yeah. definitely familiar to me. But I couldn't you- quite place her in one thing. Um, I want to talk about Dennis O'Hare. Yeah. But I guess we should talk about David Roche first, who plays the father of Richie. Um, who, he hasn't, he's done a lot of recurring television stuff. Um, including, it looks like, Monk, L.A. Law, The West Wing, Veep, and Succession. So all, like, really good TV shows, actually. I love Monk. But um, Dennis O'Hare, I already mentioned, but Dennis O'Hare plays Irwin, which until we get into spoilers, we won't tell you who Irwin is. But he does give an amazing performance for a very small part. The other person I was really excited to see was, uh, she's she's Lauren Velez on Dexter, but she's Luna Lauren Velez in this uh, movie. And she plays the wife of Irwin, Lucy, um, which isn't a big part, but if you've seen... Um, Dexter, she is, um, LaGuerta, Maria LaGuerta, who, she is, she's like one of those characters that you love to hate her in the beginning, and then you kind of love to love her. She's kind of a Jamie Lannister. She kind of wins you over. She also played, progresses. she played Rio Morales, who's Miles' mom in this is the verse, which is, of course, one of my favorite movies. But yeah, she's really cool. She's a really cool actress. Um, and then the last person is... I hope I'm saying this right. Sabrina Guevara as Alice, who is the therapist of Haley Bennett's character. Um, looks like she's done a lot of guest starring roles. Um, but I thought she did a really good job. She did a lot of guest starring roles on TV. A lot. And she does theater as well. Yeah, and... I was laughing because as you... As our uh, listeners may know, my mom's favorite show is Blue Bloods. You can usually hear the theme at some point during the podcast, probably every time right. we record. <laughs> uh, but she was on an episode of Blue Bloods, too. I was like, whoa, Blue Bloods represent. What? I think that's the only people I wrote down. Was there anybody else you want to talk about? I just feel like there was one other poor person because I liked his character. I'm like, Louie. <gasps> oh, Louie. Yeah. Yes. I'm Leif, sorry. Leif Nakai. Nakli. So... I there feel bad. Is. Yeah, but he, I guess he was in the wall, and he had a very impressive filmography, but I just didn't, I didn't know, like, a lot of it. So I feel bad, but I felt he was worth mentioning because I really liked him in the movie. Oh, you know, I haven't watched it yet, but he's in Rami, the TV series, which looks really good, and I just haven't gotten to sit down and watch it. But yeah, I felt like there was a very small cast, so that's actually everyone I had written down, too. Yep, yep. Yeah. I'm mad that I didn't have Louie on there. He's really cool. So with that, I guess we're going to get into spoilers. Yes. Trucking along. So, I mean, I but we already kind of talked about the production stuff. So um, basically, this movie starts out with um, Hunter, which I think that's a cool name for a girl. Um, Hunter is a young housewife. 
she lives in this beautiful glass house. It's mid-century modern. One of those, like, just, like, boxy houses, but, like, absolutely gorgeous architectural dream. And um, she has a husband, Richie, who I, I kind of love the way they portray Richie because he's not outwardly abusive towards her. He's actually very sweet towards her. It's not, he doesn't abuse her by yelling at her or hitting her or anything like that. The only way he abuses her is by neglect. Yeah. And he, you see her um, work, like, clean up all day and, like, make this perfect, beautiful dinner for him. And you find out that he's just been named, like, the directing manager of his father's company and that the parents bought the house for them. So the parents are providing this beautiful house for them, but AKA they have a bunch of control over them as well. And she wanted to be an artist, but she didn't make it as an artist. So she was working retail when she met Richie and she makes this beautiful dinner for him, like five star arranges the plate and everything. And she waits and like, she gets all dressed up for dinner and he shows up like late and she's like playing her phone. And he's like, Oh my God. And, like, she stayed up all day making him this beautiful dinner. And he's like, oh, sorry, babe. I got to take this text message. I got to respond to this email real quick. And it's like, can you not, like, put it away for, like, 15 minutes to eat your dinner that your wife slaved over? So he's not, like, a bad dude. And we all have had to do that to our family members. Like, hey, I got to take this work call. That's not a bad thing. But as the movie goes on, he gets worse and worse with the neglect. And the big thing is the parents. Because... Being someone who dated somebody whose parents were kind of like this, that controlled every aspect of their life, uh, it's really sad to see somebody uh, choose that over, like, a loving relationship. And that's kind of like he'd rather be in his parents' good graces than treat his wife nicely. Yeah. Yeah. And the big thing that Hunter finds out is that she's pregnant early on. And it seems like she's very uh, trepidatious, you know, trepidatious mm-hmm. like it's she's very trepidatious about the whole thing like she's very much like scared but excited you know and i mean a lot of people are when they find out they're pregnant but she seems like she's happy because richie's happy and not that she's happy from herself yeah and it's kind of like i think this was like the first trigger scene to me was that richie richie calls his mother and he says mom we're pregnant and it's like you know we're so it takes away from hunter um, in yeah. a way, and I, I know there's an argument there about, like, yeah, like, the man helped makes the baby, but at the same time, it's, it's already putting it in your head that it feels like his legacy, in a way, which mm-hmm. is what it is. She's a vessel for the baby. Um, yes. and I think, I think Hunter is a smart person. I think she, as the movie unfolds, we realize that she's probably a person that got into a situation she's not very comfortable with, and she did it fast. Yes. So, yes. um. And I feel like there's this first really brilliant scene that we see in this movie. And it's actually a phenomenal scene. And um, it's Hunter goes out to dinner with Richie's parents. And the first, yes. thing, the first thing the dad says, he's just like, that's our future CEO in there. And mm-hmm. it's like, so once again, it's like the, the spotlight, any kind of spotlight's taken away from Hunter. And so they sit down and they're having this nice dinner. And they're talking about like, it almost seems like they're bringing Hunter into the fold initially because they're talking about Richie being kind of a weird kid and using the cat's tail as a pacifier. But then uh, he's like, oh, Hunter was a weird kid too. Tell him about that guy. And Hunter's mm-hmm. initially um, like, she's 
like not very confident she seems like a little embarrassed but then she starts to tell her story and she as she starts to get comfortable telling this story from her childhood the dad kind of cuts her off her father-in-law yes. cuts her off yeah and he starts talking about work and then like as as you know if it was your friend if hunter was your friend you automatically be kind of pissy mm-hmm. you'd be like excuse me she was fucking talking but yeah. hunter doesn't do that she's a polite person so instead she has the first like kind of rebellious thing she does and you know mm-hmm. exactly what I'm talking about. The ice cubes. That we, mm-hmm. we mentioned a little earlier. She just looks down at these ice cubes. And it's the best thing because they're talking business. And she just starts crunching on these. It's not a crunch. It's a crunch on these ice cubes. And she's just like, wow, these ice cubes are just so awesome. And she, I'm just like, I love her. Yeah. <laughs> I also love that she's like, she's talking about like morning glory. She's like, oh, that's such a great, like, like she's just like kind of like funny, like cutesy funny. Like she's just like. Oh, isn't Morning Glory a great name for flowers? Like the glory of an awesome morning. <laughs> it's kind of like the humor we have, yeah. like kind of dorky, but like nice. She's so sweet. And I think a lot of it is wrapped up in the fact that like she is absolutely fucking gorgeous. Yeah. And she does make the picture perfect housewife. But it seems like maybe she's also putting that aesthetic on. Yeah. It's like she's trying to live. She has the director said a lot that um one of the reasons Haley Bennett was such a great choice for Hunter is that Hunter has to wear about five masks. Um, she has this like housewife mask. She has herself. She's trying to make everyone else happy, but she's not really making herself happy. And I think at first I thought, well, maybe the mom's going to be okay though. Um, but when she, she starts um, decorating the baby's room and the mom comes in, this pissed me off. Okay. She doesn't call first. She lets herself into their house and scares the shit out of her. There's nothing more nightmarish than, like, in-laws just showing up at your house uninvited. Like, even if you love your in-laws, it's like, you need boundaries. And people need to knock at your front door before they walk into it unless they live there. You know, and that bothered me. But then the the mom brings her, her mother-in-law brings her this, like, book. It's like the, what is it, like, the gift of joy, or the talent of joy. It's some stupid self-help book. But, like, she's like, oh, my God, thank you so much. Would you like to stay for lunch? I've made sandwiches. And so she's like, oh, no, don't even worry about it. And then she says this fucking thing where she's like, wow, your hair would look so pretty long. Yeah. Richie loves his girls with long, beautiful hair. And I'm just like, bitch, it's her hair. And he married her, so obviously he likes her with short hair. Fuck you. That upset me. Then I knew the mom was not going to be on her side. So, yeah. But she she does start decorating the baby's room. But after she leaves, she has this compulsion to eat a marble. Yeah. Which is, like, the first, like, dangerous thing. Like, eating ice is, like, it's probably not good for your teeth, but it's water. So you're going to be okay. But, like, a marble is a little scary. And, um, but also the marble, I'm like, ah! understand why she's eating the marble the marble it's like swallowing a peanut m&m as i hold one in my hand like you know like just swallowing it whole like i can get that it's not gonna and also like it's not sharp so i was like and you know it won't be painful once she gets into like once it exits it will not be painful it's funny that you said that because literally when she swallowed that that was the first thing taylor mentioned was like i wonder (laughs) if that's gonna hurt when it comes out like and i'm like to me, it's like my idea is I'm imagining like something going down my throat hurting, and Taylor's mm-hmm. idea is something coming out the ass. And I just think there's something funny about how like 
<laughs> we, we had that disconnect. I'm just like, oh my god, that would hurt your throat. Like, you know, and especially some of the stuff she swallows later. Well, I'm like, let's that hope that if he's ever part of a human centipede, he's at the end and not at the beginning. I know, right? Like, oh my god. Oh Ma'am. my god, human centipede. But yeah, and it's, I actually, and that's the scene that uh, me and Katie were talking about a little bit earlier, where the sound design is so crisp because she's holding mm-hmm. that marble, and there's almost like this, um, like this, I, I, I don't know if this is the correct word, but almost like this Instagram, Instagram filter, because there's almost like a beautiful, sheeny kind of look to the film. And then she's, mm-hmm. like, holding that marble. It's such a pretty scene. And you hear this distant calling of, like, birds and people mm-hmm. talking. And it's, like they said with the sound design, it's almost like a memory hearkening back yeah. to Hunter when she's holding also, it. Also, the, the marble's, like, in a cute little box. So I thought maybe those were, like, keepsakes of hers. Yeah. She's very, she's, you see her unpacking their house. And she's very deliberate with how she puts everything out. Yeah. Very orderly. A little OCD, you know, if we may say so. Yeah. But, yeah. It's very interesting. But, I mean, she's so... She, uh, the reason she does it is because she reads in that book, Do Something Unexpected Today. Yeah. And she's so proud of herself to have... I mean, because that is a bit of a feat to swallow an inedible object. Yeah. Like, that does take some muscle and stuff. And then she passes it, and she she keeps it. She washes it. She puts on her rubber gloves, washes it, and puts it right on her dresser on a glass table and it's like okay well at least she can keep it i guess so but it's an accomplishment for her because she feels like she's not accomplishing anything because she's just somebody's baby vessel and like that's really disheartening and she like but the reason the also in the first like the next scene where she talks to her husband they're in bed and she's like all like coming and all happy he's like He's like, oh, what are you so happy about? She's like, I did something unexpected today. And he's like, ooh, what'd you do? And she can't tell him. And that's yeah. when I knew. I was like, their relationship is not going to work. Yeah. Because I'm sorry. If if your husband was your best friend, like he should be, because I'm just going to say it, people's husbands and spouses, they should be your best friend first. And then lava second. I mean, I think that's, and at least in my experience, well, not that I'm, <laughs> not that I'm successful, but all of my friends who have good marriages, all of my older parents or whatever who have good marriages, like, they're all, like, best friends. So you should be able to tell your spouse anything. Like, maybe not right away, but you should be able to at least tell them, like, hey, this is really silly, but I ate a marble today. Don't worry, I passed it. But, and because then, like, maybe they'll be like, why did you eat a marble? Do we need to talk about this? Are you feeling stifled in our marriage? Because that's, you know... A conversation opener. It's an icebreaker. Haha. <laughs> like, but no, she can't even tell him. She's like, oh, I picked blue drapes for the theater. Which, by the way, they have a theater in their house. Which is amazing. She's always asking him if she he's mad at her. And I'm like, oh, that's not a good sign. At all. Exactly. So, I guess we should go into... Um, so, Katie knows I feel very guilty about this. I've been trying to watch our movies twice a week. And this is one of the movies I did not successfully watch twice this week. So, I may need a little bit plot oh, okay. to go off of. I'm sorry. This is kind of... I actually really like this part because there's this song... I actually uh, added a bunch of the songs from this movie to our my little playlist of like songs for the movies we've done. But they have this little montage 
to this happy little song. I think it's called like "This Is the Day." I want to say is what the, the oh, song is called. Oh, this is the day that mm-hmm. your life will truly change. Yeah, I know exactly. Yes, yes. it's really cute. It's yes. like a cute little. I was like, wow, she's so happy. She swallows and she swallows a battery, and she just jump starts. And that scared me because okay, by the way, when I was a little kid, I don't know if anyone else did this. I got a hold of a battery, and I hid in the entertainment center like the little cupboard in the entertainment center and i started i didn't swallow it but i started chewing on it and i'm pretty sure i had some <laughs> battery acid this is oh, so embarrassing no. but my dad caught me and was like katie what the hell are you doing he didn't say it like that but like so i remember the taste of like what a battery tastes like and it wasn't a bad taste it was very metallic yeah um but luckily it didn't kill me um, but my parents were so infuriated with me because I was the kid that you could hide. If any other kid would not find the things you hid from them. Yeah. But for some reason, I had the unhappy talent of finding things that were very well hidden. But so, like, when she swallowed the battery, I was like, oh, remember when I tried to eat a battery when I was, like, three? I'm so glad my dad found me before I actually ate a battery. Children Which- um, children actually die from eating button batteries every year. That is a huge thing. <sighs> Yeah. Luckily, it was like a double A, so yeah. it, was, it was too big for me to really swallow, so thank God. But I vividly remember my dad finding me and like telling me, like, that can kill you. Yeah. Please do not eat that. But anyways, uh, so there's this happy... She's so happy. She's accomplishing all this shit. And then her husband, like, brings home a bunch of drunken coworkers when she... Like, in the middle... Like, really late at night. Not only is he late coming home... But he brings a bunch of drunk co-workers, and she has swallowed a thumbtack. Yeah. At this point. And, oh, because this is what happens. Oh, because this is the scene where I was talking about where she is watching a movie at home about, like, birth or something. And, like, she's watching, like, a new movie. Oh, it's like video. a placenta. It's about eating your placenta. Yeah. Oh, it's about eating your placenta. Yes. Yeah. In pill form. Um, but, so, um, she's watching this video and she's in this vibrant green outfit. And then she has to go to her mother-in-law's house. And she's like, and she's basically like, what did you do before you met my son? And, you know, the best advice someone ever gave me was fake it till you make it. So, are you faking it? Or are you really happy? And she's like, what? And she's like, are you happy? Or are you pretending to be happy? She's like, oh, I'm happy. I'm just so grateful. So grateful for everything. But then she goes home and eats a thumbtack. And she, she tries to eat it once, and it makes her, and it cuts her tongue. And I was like, good girl. She's not going to eat it. And then she runs back and eats it. And I was like, oh, no. And so she has to pass it while these people are at her house. And there's, like, blood. And so her husband's, like, knocking on the door. And she's like, hold on just a minute. And there's this really weird guy who's like, can I have a hug? But then she hugs him. And she's like, oh, okay, fine. He's drunk and he's lonely, whatever. And it's just a hug. And she, like, she, it's that immediate, like, human connection. Yeah. It, she actually enjoys the hug, and she thanks him. Yeah. Instead of him thanking her, which is interesting. Um, and this and is then one they I'll, go... I do want to say this very quickly. So, this is one of the only scenes in the movie that she seems to really acknowledge her pregnancy because she actually is looking yes. at her belly. Um, yes. And I think that's very important because you do not get that a lot from her this movie yes so which it to me it says she's not really um has any kind of emotional attachment to the fetus inside of her yes yeah which is sad because like 
you know, you want everyone to have that, but you know, it's a, this is a different situation. Yeah. This is a situation where she went into this relationship much too fast and probably shouldn't be having a baby with this person. Yeah. Um, because she's not happy with him. Yeah. Um, she's trying to make herself be something she's not. Um, and that never works out for anybody. Um, so she, the, when she goes to get her ultrasound, they see something in her abdomen and they, uh, take out all the things that she's been swallowing, including a needle, a battery. The battery never came out until the surgery. Um, I think the thumbtack had already come out, but there's a bunch of like, like there was like a safety pin, all kinds of stuff. And the thing, this, this, she actually passed successfully, whereas there was a little figurine. Yes, that's what we saw It was saw huge. Too. Yeah. I was like, how did you do that, girl? It's like, like a ballerina, and the ballerina is intact, too. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, holy shit, girl. Because she lays them all out in her dresser, and you see them, and she's like, swallowed quite a few, but then you don't always see things come out, and you're like, oh, no. Uh, and by the way, it's not gross. Like, they do show blood, and they show her, like, choking and stuff, but I will say, like, they don't show you, like, shit. So they, they figure out she has pica, and um, Richie is, like, yelling at her, which I don't blame him, because it is a very dangerous thing to do, and I think he's more yelling at her because she's endangering herself and the baby. I think yeah. that is where it's coming from. However, he pulls the line, this is something you tell somebody before they marry you. Yeah. And it's like, she didn't know she had pica. She didn't have it before she met you. Maybe the reason she has is because you're stressing her the fuck out, dude. But I was like, how dare you tell somebody that? I hate when people are like, you didn't tell me this before you, we were married. When it's like something that they couldn't have known. Yeah. Like, it's different. Like, you know, there are situations that, yes, it would be really shitty not to tell somebody something before. But, you know, this is not a thing. This is not a thing to blame someone on. This is something she's having a mental health episode and she needs love and support. So they do get her a therapist, but the therapist is being paid by the dad and the husband, and they're basically like, we want results. And the therapist is like, well, can I talk to her by myself? And she's like, he's like, oh, I don't know. And Haley, um, not Haley, Hunter's like, uh, yeah, no, I think I'm fine. So the, the therapist seems to genuinely care about Hunter, but she's also in a really bad predicament because there are people with money and power that are kind of making her, which you don't know this uh, originally, but eventually you find out that the therapist has kind of been debriefing them on their sessions. Yeah, which, which is like totally against the wall, by the way. Which she did try to say it, in, which there may have been, I can see a maybe, loophole. there might be a loophole if Hunter had signed something that said like, because you, usually when you go see a doctor nowadays, there is a little form you sign, like, you can share my private health information with this person, this person, this person. I know I have, like, my parents on that because, like, if something were to happen to me, you know, I would want them to have my health information. Also, my mom's a nurse, so, like, I want her to be able to tell me if the doctor's fucking up or not. Um, <laughs> so um, she might have done that, but... Still, there's some things in confidence that she tells her. And at first, she's very withdrawn about it. Um, but then after one of the sessions, she says something about, like, hey, um, there's something I want to tell you about my relationship with my mom, but we don't have time because it's Richie's birthday. And she throws this birthday party for Richie. And she finds out that Richie has been telling everybody about um, Hunter's 
compulsion. Yeah. And she's super embarrassed about it. Yeah. Because she didn't know that he told people. And that scene really pissed me off. And I think that scene even pissed uh, my husband doesn't get like very irritated at scenes. But he was like, that's shitty. I was like, yeah, it's really shitty. Because like there's certain struggles that people have in life that's not everyone's business. Like if she wanted right. to make other people's business and open up about it, she could. But he even says, he's like, well, you know, I really need the support. You're a millionaire. Like, <laughs> if you get another therapist, exactly. If you need to support, get another therapist. So, so these aren't, and this isn't just like one person you told, he's told like the entire office, yeah, and their close friends. So now she feels even more alienated because all of her friends have been talking about her behind her back, yeah. And she was, um, it's so, it's so sad. And she has this beautiful dress on, and she's so upset. And that's the thing is like, she's starting to feel better because she's going through therapy, she's not having all these things. Um, they also. Um, hire Lue, who is a Syrian man who um, has escaped war. And basically he's being paid to, like, follow her around the house to make sure she doesn't eat anything. Um, but he's very nice. He's like a, he's like a live-in nurse, but, like, he's, he's a really nice guy, but he's in, this, he's in an awkward position, too, where he has to follow her around. And so she finally opens up to her therapist about her mom, and she tells her, Okay, don't make a big deal about this or anything. Which, whenever someone says that, you're like, this is a big deal. It yeah. must be a big deal. And she tells her that her mom, when she was 19, was uh, followed home and raped by a man she had just met. And his name is Irwin. And he did time in jail. And she is the result of that attack. Yeah. And because her mom does not believe in abortion, um, her mom had her. And it's very sad, too, this scene, because as with a lot of people, even though the, the trauma hasn't happened directly to Hunter, she is a product of trauma, and because of that, she carries, like, a guilt with her. And she even says, but they don't treat me different, and my sister lo- my sisters love me. So she lets loose this thing, but she instantly tries to, like, kind of, like, go, oh, but it's okay because of this. And, oh, it's okay She's because of this. She's backpedaling. Yeah. Backpedaling, yeah. It's really sad. And, but Hunter's like, I've dealt with it. It's fine. And the therapist is like, how did you deal with it? Oh, I carry a picture around with, of him in my wallet at all times. And I've just thought about it a lot. And it's like, that's not dealing with it. Yeah. No, no, no. Um, so she's obviously been keeping up with him. So she knows where he is. He did do time. But he is out. I think at this point, oh, she is just getting really frustrated with the whole you know, Lue thing, but she's trying to get better. Lue's trying to, they've actually bonded a little bit, and she's gardening one day, and her husband's like, you're looking great, and she overhears him on speakerphone talking to her therapist about her, and her therapist has now betrayed her trust, and she like, he's like, oh, honey, he's like really concerned, because he's like, oh god, this is a terrible thing that she's had to grow up with, and he's like, what do you, what do you want from the store? I'm gonna get you anything, a bracelet, a necklace, or like a necklace, you want a dress? What do you want? What do you want? And she's like, a bracelet and he's like bracelet great and he's really freaked out and also like so you're just gonna buy her a bracelet because you just found out like her she's the product of rape and you're gonna find her a bracelet okay that's not really maybe you should talk to her about it honey but she's overheard this and now she feels completely betrayed yeah her therapist betrayed her her husband betrayed her and she just crawls under the bed and Lue crawls under there with her and it's like hey it's safe here and that's really sweet yeah it's so sweet but then they both fall asleep, and she wakes up and uh, starts swallowing one of those tiny little screwdrivers. Yeah. And she starts choking on it. Yeah. So then 
they're like, she's like, I know I've gone too far, but this is enough. So they're going to involuntarily institutionalize her. Yeah. And this was actually very smart. Yeah. So uh, she goes back to get her charger because they're literally going to commit her. They force her to sign the paperwork. And uh, Louie goes with her and he finds a way. He kind of... uh, rigs the door so he runs the water and rigs the door like she's locked it and she's in the washroom Mm -hmm. and he goes Mm -hmm. out there and he's like yeah she's using the bathroom and they wait and they wait and they wait and then they're like oh my god she's still in there and so they try to get her out because at this point they think she's just like basically um not trying to go ahead with the plan that she's locked herself in the back room and they get the door open and she's escaped into the forest Mm -hmm. yeah and she hitchhikes to a motel and she, I love this part because it's just like such like she's just trying to be so casual about it. But she, when she gets to the motel, she's wearing this beautiful like camel colored um, coat, and she just goes to this like guard flower bed, and she just grabs a bunch of dirt and just puts it in her pocket because she was thinking about eating dirt before and she resisted. And she's just like looking like she's like nothing to see here, all good. And she just walks into there and she just like start, starts eating it. And he said like. All the objects, the director said all the objects were, you know, purposeful. They were, they all stayed the same throughout the entire script process. And Haley Bennett actually had a background for every object. But the dirt was supposed to be, like, comfort food. Whereas, like, the tack was supposed to be, like, something forbidden and dangerous. And the marvel was supposed to be, like, like something good. And anyway, so, yeah. so she just, she, like, gorges herself on dirt. And then she calmly calls Richie. And she says, hey, listen, I think we rushed into a lot of things. I still have feelings for you, but I just need time. And I just, I don't know if this is okay. And um, at first he tries to be, like, all, like, sweet about it. He's like, well, just come home and blah, blah, blah. And I miss you and I love you and everything can go back to the way it was. I'm so sorry. And she's like, I can't come back. And he goes, you fucking cunt. If you get, like run away with my baby i will fucking hunt you down she goes okay and then she smashes her phone yeah which i was like good girl yeah good girl because he crossed the line yeah that was when i was like yep richie's got lost to his parents great oh because the way they get her to sign the paperwork is they're like if you don't sign richie wants a divorce yeah and his dad says that too that's what bothers Mm -hmm. me richie doesn't say that his dad says that which his dad's like the spokesperson for him because i think if richie didn't have such cunty parents he probably would have done the right thing honestly yeah that's why like i like this movie because he's not a complete villain he has shortcomings but he's not a villain he's just neglectful because he's so into pleasing his parents yeah that even if what they want for him isn't the best thing he doesn't care because he has to make it right with them because obviously they've expected way too much out of him um so she um goes um finds her biological dad um and goes to confront him and he's having a birthday party for i couldn't figure out if it was a birthday party for his daughter or his wife i think it's for his daughter because she he says something about her going to play with her friends so i think her friends are at the birthday party yeah, but then they put her to bed at, like, when it's Yeah, that's outside. what I thought was weird, too. Like, it, they said it was time for bed, and it's still light outside. I was like, uh, what? Like, it's no later than 6 so maybe o'clock. It was Maybe it was an adult party, and he was just letting her cut the cake. But she ends up going there, and she's they're like, oh, which one of the kids is yours? She's like, oh, none of them. 
but I'm about to have one. So, and then like, she's, he's like, oh, how, who invited you to the party? And she's like, oh, you remember my mom, Jill? He's like, oh. Oh, there is a moment that I think is important to touch on. So she does try to call her mom to see if she can come to her <gasps> yes, mom's Yes, I'm so sorry. Yeah. I skipped that. No, it's yes. okay. So she does try to call her mom and her mom's like, yeah, it'd be great to have you, honey, and to see you. But your sister's here with the baby and it's a full house. And it's just like, but she's like, mom, I really, you know, she basically is like, mom, I really need to see you. She's like, I, Hunter, I just can't. She hangs up. And it just like, that broke my heart because to me that cemented that even though Hunter said there was really no difference in the way she was treated, it's obvious there was and there has been her entire life. Well, and also I think the ending may not have been the ending if her mom had let her come home. Yeah. Because I think she would have had support and she doesn't have support. Yeah. Which her mom must know that she's pregnant. Yeah, I would think so too, wouldn't you? Yeah. I mean, she's not super pregnant. She's probably, we're trying to figure this out. She's probably somewhere between two months and three months yeah. along. So, um, but um, she does go confront Erwin and he's like, when he finally gets his wife out of the, out of the room, um, he's like, are you here to ruin my life? She's like, I don't know. I haven't decided yet. And she's like, I'm in control now. You tell me. You, you say that because she's like she's like taking control of her life now and she also throws up as soon as she gets in there and i kind of wonder if like that's kind of her exercising her own demons like symbolically because she hasn't really been throwing up she's been eating things which is weird because usually when you're pregnant you throw up a lot yeah this is like the first instance of her really throwing up um except when she was choking on that screwdriver but she wasn't throwing up she was just awfully choking it was terrible um and she basically, like, asks him, like, am I like you? Why did you do it? And he's like, I, he's like, I can't really answer why I did it. It was for power. I thought I was, like, the fucking coolest thing. And then I went to prison and had the shit beat out of me and realized how much of an idiot I was. And, you know, I never did that again. And he's like, and she's like, are you ashamed of me? He's like, No. And the way Dennis O'Hare answers that is so clear that it's actually how he how he feels. It's like the perfect way to answer that question. Are you ashamed of me? He's just like, no, I am ashamed of what I did, but I'm not ashamed of you. And you should never feel bad. It's not your fault. You didn't do anything wrong. And it's just like she needs to hear that. She's obviously her mother has never told her, but she hears it from her father, who she's never met before. And it's a lovely scene. Um and I think the acting is just phenomenal. Yeah. And she kind of finds the strength to make her own decision. And which is a sad decision, but I, I understand where she's coming from because I do believe this is symbolic. She decides to have a medical abortion because she can't be tied to Richie for the rest of her life. Yeah. And she didn't really make this choice to have a baby. And it's just not it's not going to work out, you know, and she doesn't seem happy about it, but she seems resolved to do it. She, um, this is, it's so sad. She's like in like, no, it's sad. Cause she's like, kind of like, 
homeless. I yeah, guess? it's a it's a definite yeah, it contrast is. from the beginning of the movie where. So she's now in like a mall food court. She's very like oversized sweatshirt, like no real makeup, but or bright colors. Yeah, but a, but a pretty color. Yeah, green. Yeah, and so hunter green, hunter green. Yeah, and so it's like mm. she's no longer. It's a contrast because she's no longer put together in a beautiful home, but at the same time, she's more like I guess sure of herself. So it's this contrast between physical and emotional and spiritual. So mm-hmm. it's like a flip. Yes. Yeah. She's never looked worse, but she's never felt better. Yeah. So I'm just kidding. she doesn't look that bad, but she, she and that's the thing. I was like I was like oh my god she had to have her abortion in a bathroom stall and they do show an aborted fetus in well it's probably not a real abort I hope it's not a real aborted no. fetus um but it's very bloody but it's kind of blurred out a little bit like the way they fo- do the focus so you don't see a lot of it but. Yeah, but that does sound like I've had a couple friends who have like miscarried when they're really early on, and that is kind of what happens. Is like you, it's basically like having a really, really, really heavy period. So, um, and that's kind of what it is because she can't be that far along if you can do a medical miscarriage and be able to flush it down the toilet. I'm sorry, that just sounds awful. I'm yeah. sorry, it's so sad. I'm sorry. Like even if I'm okay with her, like because in you know. There would be other movies where I'd be like, that was a cop-out ending. But it's not, because not only is she, like, almost exercising herself of Richie's hold on her, symbolically. she's And the family's hold on her. She's ridding herself of being a vessel for them. But she had to swallow the pills. Yeah. To free herself of whatever. So I think it is, it's very symbolic. It makes sense. It's it's throughout the plot they mention abortion and birth and things like that. And so, like, it is very, very, um, you know, it's symbolic. It makes sense. Um, it's really sad, but it's kind of bittersweet because she does find, like, the freedom to, like, walk out on her own confidently and be on her own and make it for herself. And I think that's great. I think I think it's a really good ending, even though I hate that that's the choice she had to make if that makes sense yeah like she doesn't seem happy about making the choice i think it's interesting too that the final shots of the movie are literally hunter walks out and you see all these different women coming out and washing their hands like it's like almost like i don't know if if oh like his grandma yeah also i don't know if he meant to say like washing your hands of the situation either maybe yeah maybe and also just the fact that you could be in a mall restroom and not realize the woman in the stall next to you just had a medical abortion it's just amazing because you don't think about that but yeah um it's it's definitely a very i would say this is like definitely like a movie's lover a movie lover's movie so it's not Mm -hmm. for everyone but i mean i liked it i don't really know if i felt like i learned any kind of lesson from watching it but i did like it I thought it was a cool character study. Yeah. I like Hunter, and I like... The second time around, I really could appreciate the symbolism in the movie. The first time around, I was just like, what is happening? Especially because when she's swallowing stuff, you're like, oh, shit. Is that... Is she going to do it, or is she not? Is she going to swallow that thing? Um, It's definitely less gross than I thought it was going to be. I thought it was going to be more about the pika and less about her. So I, I find that interesting. 
It was definitely a different movie than I thought it was going to be. It was a lot more, like, artsy. But not annoyingly so. Um, I would say this is, it kind of reminds me of, remember the, the lobster? You've seen the yeah. lobster, right? Oh, yeah. It kind of reminds me of the lobster where it is, like, kind of slow moving, but there's humor in it. There are funny parts to this movie. And it, it's very realistic. It's, and she's, it's almost like a, like a more entertaining version of Mad Men. Is there, is, what, do we have ratings for it? Any other things we want to touch on? Um, I personally love sound, production, and costume design. I thought um, all the aesthetics in this movie were really, really strong. I don't have any strong incidents, but I did write a little note for myself the first time I was watching it. It seemed like some of the dialogue was a little wonky. I wish I had watched it a second time so I could pinpoint exactly what maybe someone said that made me write that note. So I feel like this was a strong first feature link direction piece. Yes. I can't wait to see in the future. Um, I did not give it a grindhouse girl rating, but I did give it a 7 out of 10. I thought there was really a lot of strong uh, choices, a lot of strong visual choices, sound choices, acting choices throughout this movie. I still thought it was a little slow moving. Um, and I don't think I could honestly just recommend it to the average person because of that. But I did like the movie. Would you call it scary, strange, or spoopy? Definitely strange. Yeah, that's how I feel too. Um, I actually gave it an 8 out of 10. Okay. Because I think it's gorgeous. And I love the visuals. And the performances were just top notch. Yeah. And I mean, but I did watch it twice. So I feel like I did. I appreciated it more after the second watch. I did actually watch his other feature film, which was called Knife Point. Mm -hmm. Which was a feature film, a short film. It was only like 26 minutes. And it wasn't. It was definitely more clunky than this one. And it was about, like, a religious zealot who, like, shoots people. And so it wasn't really a happy movie. But definitely he's coming to his own. Yeah. Um, I did have a rating. I had two. Rated S for Swallowed Secrets. And um, rated T for Thumbtacks and Therapy. I think I like rated T. I do, too. I like that better. Yeah. Um, so... With that, um, I guess I would recommend this to movie lovers, like you said, but maybe not. I didn't even tell my parents to watch this movie because I was like, I don't know. They definitely don't think, I'm sorry, my parents are not going to be okay with the abortion thing. They'll be okay with it, but they'll be like, that was really sad. Yeah. So I'm not going to make them depressed. Um, but um, what is our next movie, Britt? Oh. I'm so excited. Okay. I want to know what it is. Okay, so uh, two things. Uh, so one, I am actually ashamed to admit this, um, but I have grown uh, in the last eight years. Um, so I have a friend that really likes movies. And we and him were actually talking about this movie. And I had accidentally had the end of this movie spoiled for me. So not the entire movie, but the end of the movie spoiled to me. And I remarked about it. I made a comment on it. And he goes, oh, really? Because he goes, I thought like in this scene earlier on in the film. And I was like, shit. And then that's when I learned a lesson. Don't. Don't try. Don't pretend you watched a movie you haven't watched. Just don't do it. Like, there's so many movies in the world. Like, no one is going to expect you to see every single movie. And you don't lose creditation points. So, um, I was thinking about this movie. Because I've always wanted to see it. I've never been able to find it streaming. And Katie actually convinced me for Swallow to do um, the Showtime app. So, I have a free 30-day subscription. And this movie's on here. Um, it's largely filmed in Scotland, and as everyone knows, I am um, going for a Scotland phase oh right now. Um, so it is 2013's Under the Skin. 
<gasps> oh, yay! That's actually on our list, too. Yeah, so I thought, I was like, well, let's let's go for it. So, I wonder if this is going to be really, I'm going to hate it, because I think it is a little slow moving. I think. Or I'm going to love it. I don't know. My understanding, though, is also a fair warning. This is one of those very analytical movies, which uh, it, it may confuse some people. And that's okay. Um, everything's not meant to be understand. A lot of movies are open up for interpretation. Um, I'm excited because it is one that I've been trying to watch, but haven't. It's one of those like I've been wanting to watch, but I'm like, I know this is going to be like a rough one. So I haven't really been inspired to watch it by myself. So exciting. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really excited. That's exciting. Um, any Anything else we want to touch on before we say goodnight? Um, nothing I can really think of. Uh, I always like to do my little spill, which is um, I am so glad you guys have decided to join us. Um, it is evening time for us here. In fact, it's almost bedtime for us here. But um, I hope no matter where you're at in your day, if it's your morning, your afternoon, evening, if you're listening to us while you're doing house chores or on your commute to work, I'm glad you have joined us. Um, I hope you're having a good day. I hope you're doing something, some form of self-care for yourself today. I don't know if you need some meditation or yoga or to listen to your favorite song, but I hope you treat yourself to that. Um, As always, this is a reminder, please take a shot of water, you thirsty, thirsty bitch. (laughs) Hydrate yourself. So, Hydrate yourself. Yeah. Yes, please wear your mask and get your vaccine and wash your hands and take some vitamins. Goodness, and be nice. So, but have a good night or a good day or a good morning or whatever you're doing. Thank you for listening. We love you guys. Um, and thank you for all the feedback. And thank you for not hating me because I uploaded the wrong audio yeah. file this week. <laughs> But we love you guys, and we appreciate every single one of you. And, you know, if you're scared to do something, be like Hunter. Go for it, bitch. Bitch. Yes. <laughs> and, of course, uh, as always, uh, we we so look forward um, to seeing you next week. Same spoopy time. Yes. Same spoopy channel. And stay spoopy, y'all. Stay spoopy, y'all. <laughs> okay. Night. Good night. Night, Katie. Night, Brittany. (laughs) Bye, guys. Love you. Bye. Bye. The Grindhouse Girls podcast is a production by Katie Dale and Brittany Ray and edited by Katie Dale. All music used is royalty-free and will be in our annotations. If you have any questions, comments, suggestions, please contact us at at grindhousegirlspod.com. Or visit our website at grindhousegirlspod.com. Thanks for listening. We'll see you soon.